Value has to be instilled. Um, yeah. It can't be beating kids over the head. They are going to act, especially on social media, where they have a degree of autonomy, which is why they like social media and gravitate towards it. Their values are going to guide their behaviors. And so instilling those values in a way that uh, is evidence-based and effective is everything when it comes to preventing your child from being, or a, any child from being the perpetrator of the bullying. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, it's Ariel Anderson, and you just heard an excerpt from our episode on social media and bullying. Uh, And we're talking today to Mark Berkman and Ed Peisner. And it's a strong topic today, so I'm gonna just warn you ahead of time. And I have no doubt that at some point in your life, maybe you have been bullied, someone in your family, maybe your own child, I hope not. Uh, What happens in the world and uh, quite a lot here in the U.S. Unfortunately, it was one of the things that I was worried about bringing my daughter back here because the bullying is so much stronger than I ever experienced in Czech Republic. And I felt my whole body tensing up as I was reading through, you know, and listening once again to uh, Mark and Ed's stories and as well, you know, our discussion. So, Just to give you a little bit of background, uh, Mark uh, serves as the CEO of the Organization for Social Media Safety, OFSMS, where he has grown the company into and the organization into a prominent national consumer protection organization that has taught social media safety skills to thousands of students, parents, and educators across the country and developed essential social media safety legislation like Jordan's Law, the nation's first law to deter social media motivated violence. And uh, Ed Peisner, after a long career in business, founded the Organization for Social Media Safety in 2016 after his teenage son Jordan was viciously assaulted in West Hills, California. I still get chills every time I read these lines. The attack was filmed and uploaded to social media by an associate of the attacker. The video went viral, viewed by millions, and Jordan was left with serious and lifelong injuries from the assault. Ed decided to dedicate himself to the goal of ensuring that no other family had to endure such a terrible ordeal. I, I just reading this, I just get so upset. Uh, I also had bullying, physical, mental, <laughs> emotional, my husband as well, both growing up with kids in our schools and in our community, uh, but nothing to the degree of this. And that was scarring to just how we were in the world. I cannot imagine what this this child, this person went through. Grownups do this to grownups. Kids do it to kids. I know it gets passed down, unfortunately. That is part of the reality and the power struggle. And there was quite a discussion about this in this episode. There, it is sensitive. It may not be something you want to listen to with your kids around. I don't know. We don't. It depends on you. Uh, But this is a real issue in our community. 
wherever you are in the world, there are versions of this. And I encourage you to listen today and know that this organization is an incredible resource. And, uh, you know, let's, listen, you know, really just show up, check it out and uh, see what you think. Uh, if this is interesting for you, please do subscribe and, you know, you'll hear more of the incredible things that parents and people are creating for our families. Uh, so without further hesitation, let's jump right in to our discussion with Ed Peisner and Mark Berkman today. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. Um, we were just talking about how imperfect life and parenting and, and all of our lives are. Yes. Um, I would love for you just to start each of you, because I know that you each have a, a different piece in this story, uh, especially, you know, with um, the organization for social media and but your own personal stories and why you're even showing up for this topic around social media and all the pieces um, attached to it. So if you would just start with like your story, what you're willing to share that brought you to this moment um, and why this is important to you. Sure. It'd be great. Mark, you want me to jump in? You're the first part of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, thank you again for having us and, and doing this. Uh, you know, this began December 2nd, 2016. So four years ago, basically. Uh, my son, Jordan, 14 and a half years old at the time, was walking home from school. He had just begun ninth grade. So he was his first, right near the end of his first semester of ninth grade. Uh, a budding a budding uh, theater thespian student uh, did theater for three years during middle school, loved it. Uh, they had just actually won some awards for his, uh, they called it in, in high school, they did um, festival where schools competed from all over our region uh, for these different skits they put together. And he was just, you know, he had that sparkle in his eye that I'm just starting high school, this is it. And he had called me and said, dad, could I walk home? Uh, or could I walk to the center? near my house where the McDonald's is and the Wendy's and what have you. And I said, sure, of course, uh, go ahead, son. It was Friday. His friends were walking with him. And I was home with my then 12-year-old. I picked her up from uh, middle school. I'm home with her. And we were actually, her friend was here. We we're making some cookies. I remember this. And I got a phone call that uh, from another student from Jordan's school, one of his friends called me directly and said, somebody punched Jordan. We're down here at Wendy's and someone punched him. And honestly, I, I thought, okay, um, you know, let me grab an ice pack. You know, I thought a bloody nose. That's really what I thought. I'm going to go down there and something happened. And so I just told my daughter, keep an eye on the oven. I'll be back. You don't let the cookies burn. And I just nonchalantly grabbed an ice pack and I drove down there. And what I drove upon, what I drove up upon was like a scene out of a movie. This is where I get my chills every time. I come up on a police car, an ambulance, a horde of kids everywhere. And I knew, you know, right then again, I'm getting told, I knew something was off. This is, uh-oh. And I ran to the ambulance and pushed my way through this crowd of kids. And, and in the back of the ambulance, it was Jordan lying there on this gurney stretcher with just covered in blood, blood coming out of his ear. And I, had, I didn't even know what to ask. Like, I didn't, I was so shocked. It's what happened. And the ambulance, the paramedics, listen, we need to take him to the hospital now. He's got an internal bleed. He's coming out of his ear. We need to move him now. You need to get off and we're going to go to the hospital. And 
I, I go, I jumped out and I, you know, went over to one of the children. I said, what happened? And they walked up to me and said, oh, look. And they took out their phone and they said, look, here it is. And they're showing me this video of my son talking to somebody. And then this boy walking up behind him and with absolutely all his might, just punching him in the side of the head, knocking him to the ground. The sound you hear in this video is Mark will attest to. I can't even listen to it anymore. It's horrific. And you just see his life change in that moment. It just knocked him ah. to the ground. And, and again, I was dumbfounded. I was just like, why am I looking at this? How am I looking at this? And why are you all showing me pictures? So, you know, I quickly recorded it with my phone to have it there as, 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 you know, factual data. And I ran to the hospital, you know, I drove over there and um, they actually couldn't even treat him at the hospital, the local hospital, which is a pretty decent hospital. They had to airlift him and send him to children's hospital because of this internal brain bleed. Um, and then, oops, sorry about that. Then we, you know, then I'm hearing from the neurologist at children's hospital, you know, they're talking about removing a piece of the skull to stop the swelling and drilling holes and things as a parent, you never want to hear. Uh, he spent six days in the ICU, at children's hospital in the ICU. And, you know, that was that, that my, that's my why moment. Why am I here today talking to you? Why am I connected with Mark? After this happened and after he got out of the hospital and we were trying to come back to a new normal now, I wanted to turn my mess into a message. I wanted to do something, you know, and, and figure out why are we recording these moments that are life-changing and, 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 and sharing them to, to get notoriety, like to, you know, get likes. And I said that on many newscasts when I was interviewed, why are people doing this for likes? So I reached out to my assembly member in, in my district here. And at the time, the assembly member's chief of staff was Mark Berkman. And, you know, Mark and I were introduced and I, and I met him. Mark had seen the video already, by the way, just so you know, within a couple of hours of it happening, a couple of hours, it was in his inbox, you know, cause he was in my district and, and it was in his inbox. So, you know, that's my why, that is why I'm here today. That's why we founded this organization. I'm, I'm gonna hand this over to Mark because without Mark, we wouldn't be where we are today. Like his, his work has been so amazing and, and I'm indebted to him, but that's sort of the why, where we began, how we began, why we began, and then I'll turn it over to Mr. Berkman. Mark, before you go, I just wanna take a pause because I mean, I feel really emotional hearing that story, Ed. And I know that people in our audience have either been witness to or personally experienced some version of bullying or, yeah. but this is to the extreme that like yeah. really woke you up. But I just would like to just take a, a quick moment to just take a breath, literally. Thank you. To um, just witness or, or feel, imagine, or if, to remember if you're going back to your own personal experience of, of how powerful this moment of what it's felt like is a loss of innocence, a yeah. loss of, you know, the, the, the hopes of what's next and just uh, how vivid this is and how life-changing this is. This isn't just people calling names, that, that even the, the calling of names, whatever version of bullying, can transform your life in that moment that it begins. And it often begins very early. Yeah. So and, and, I just know, wanted to 
have people feel it for a second and remember why this is important. And thank you. You're right. And, and I try to push through it without letting the emotions because Mark has seen me during some of these interviews where the tears I'm crying, come so and, I, and I have to stop because I don't want to, you know, I, I, I want to get that point across though that, and you said something valuable, you know, the loss of innocence. It's not just to my son. It, all these kids that watch these videos, it, it's becoming normalized to them. They're, and they're losing this innocence. They're seeing this and just swiping past it. Ugh. And I just got a chill when you said that. And I'm, I, I, Mark, we're coming to you. I just, I really just don't want to skate past the emotions of it because uh, I, I do that too. A lot, I get very emotional. I get very connected to the stories that come here and it's so easy to skate past, but the, this is, it's so powerful because it's not just, I mean, not just, but it's, it's not only Jordan's experience or the, the child or the person who experiences bullying. It's also the kids who recorded it, who upon yes. reflection, the kids who watched it upon reflection, whether it's in the moment or later, or if they get bullied later yes. and something happens, it's also the guilt and the, the emotions around, why didn't I do something? Maybe when they're later and they're more mature or all the things that happen because of this considered acceptable behavior uh, inside of society. And it's not just the kids, it's grownups. I mean, it comes from somewhere. And unfortunately, a lot of those bullying kids have bullying parents, but that's yes. maybe a continued conversation <laughs> later in the conversation. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and part of it is where um, by, by being behind the screen, you're also not feeling it, mm -hmm. which is that, that anyway. you lose remorse you lose that connection because it mm -hmm. becomes almost like a, a movie you're watching and it's not real and right not getting involved you're just yeah. you're, you're filming yeah. it and then getting kind of riding the coattails of the pain yep. look what i witnessed i was a part of oh look i'm in pain <laughs> it's a strange thing that's been occurring in the last period yeah. yeah but let's come back to that mark i want to hear you know i hear we heard a little bit how you got connected but what made you can continue forward on that you know you got this you got the video in your your inbox, so to speak, uh, um, but you you could have just said, "Uh, oh, hmm, that's interesting." You guys could have had a brief conversation, but you're still in it. So what what's your story that led up to that, and and why you're still there? Here. Yeah. So as Ed mentioned, that that video was in my inbox really shortly, uh, two to three hours after the attack on on Jordan, which again, kind of underscores the nature of the problem that we're dealing with, that something happens and then it's viewed by hundreds of thousands almost uh, instantaneously, um, which again feeds it's all the dynamics of this problem together. And so I saw it. It was horrifying, nauseating. We, we saw it in the office. We all also intuitively knew when we saw this, that this was not an isolated incident. You know, we, especially in my office at the time, we had younger staff that um, had, had grown up with social media to the extent that anyone could have at that point. It was this age group of, of young 20-year-old staffers too. So we all knew that this wasn't isolated, that these videos were out there. And so we, we looked into it to see if there was um, a path towards legislating as part of the solution to this problem. And so what we now call this, this epidemic, social media motivated violence, these attacks committed for the purpose of filming them, putting them on social media to get 
uh, internet, social media notoriety, likes, shares, uh, and views. And so we found that since 2006, really the, the birth of major social media, as we call it at the moment, uh, these attacks were growing exponentially each year to the point where we get to late 2016, 2017, uh, you had thousands of them, thousands and thousands viewed by literally millions, mostly young people. And so if your child wasn't the one um, being victimized in attack or committing the attack, they were watching it. And, they, and this violence was becoming normalized to them. And, and as an aside, we know now, starting in the fifth grade, which is the youngest age group that we work with in schools across the country, about 80% of students have seen explicit real violence on social media. So uh, this is a, it's a big problem and we knew it then. So we, we started legislating and we um, drafted what came to be known as, as Jordan's Law after Ed's son, Jordan. Um, which, which we passed in California in less than a year. And this, this was the first law, state law in the country um, that was intended to deter social media motivated violence. So it made it clear that anyone who was conspiring to film a violent crime would be held liable as an accomplice and subject to uh, an enhanced sentence. And what we really, the intent there always was to use this as an education tool to highlight the problem and, and teach it to children across the country, which uh, is what we have done. So the, the second part of the story of how, how, I, how the Organization for Social Media Safety came to exist and, and how I became involved with Ed was, Ed was clearly passionate and he wanted, he really, I mean, within the second, well, the, the first time I met him, which was probably about three weeks after the incident when, when Jordan stabilized, he wanted to make a difference and he wanted to be in, all in um, on doing something to make sure that other families didn't have to suffer like this, other, other children didn't have to suffer like this. And, and I saw that passion in him. And while we were working on this legislation, what became very clear is usually as a legislative staffer, you have, um, you turn to interest groups or organizations and associations that act as your subject matter expert on on the issue that you're trying to legislate on. And there was no one here working on this. There, and there was no one serving uh, as a consumer protection organization focused just on social media. And this was at a time where it was very clear that, that social media related cyberbullying was, was growing rampant. I had um, just come um, from a previous job working with foster youth and human trafficking through social media. So talk about loss of innocence. Social media motivated violence is one example, but trafficking, cyberbullying, self-harm, depression, hate speech, sexual harassment, all of these issues were exploding on social media, uh, taking away the innocence collectively of all of our children. And uh, I personally, I, I'll speak for Ed here, we, we felt compelled uh, to start this organization where a similar organization simply did not exist and that blew everyone's minds because this again was, was 2017. And so we, we founded the Organization for Social Media Safety. It's a consumer protection organization, as I said, focused exclusively on social media. And we protect against all social media related dangers from uh, this violence aspect to trafficking, to propaganda and hate speech. And we do that uh, through three different programmatic departments. We do advocacy work. So we work at all levels of government to enhance public policy around social media safety. 
We do technology developments. We work on software and applications, provide real-time protection against any and all of these social media-related dangers. Uh, and then we do education. So pre-COVID, of course, uh, we were in schools across the country teaching essential social media safety skills to students and parents and educators. Now we've obviously moved that virtual, but we're very excited to get back to that, hopefully soon in person. So that, that was my long-winded story of, of uh, how we got involved and who we are. Yeah, like the long version. I love the abbreviated. <laughs> Got to get in there with the details. That's important because people think social media safety and we all make our own assumptions. I mean, I actually kind of went through that process even myself. You know, at the first moment I kind of saw the, the blurb about you guys and it was just a flash, you know, and I didn't have time to read the whole thing. And I, I had my own assumption that's about you know, um, making sure our kids don't meet up with strangers. Like there were all kinds of things that went through my mind. And then as I got through, just like you were going through the longer version of your story, it, it's, it hits closer to home because it is so multifaceted. It is, uh, it goes in directions that you don't realize. And I, I actually really appreciate that you- Social media. <laughs> I really appreciated that you know, you guys really called it and put it out there and put out some of the, you know, the, the uglier words that people are not comfortable with, like human trafficking and, you know, talking about the advocacy in connection with the bullying and the social media, all those pieces together, which I haven't seen put together in one place and they are happening. And uh, as a person who's lived in different parts of the world, I know people who were human trafficked you know, and I know I heard the whole process and I, you know, and I've seen the bullying personally and, you know, out in the world. And, and actually one of our greatest fears of we recently moved from Prague, Czech Republic to back to California, Northern California or back for me. One of my biggest fears was I made the mistake of watching 13 Reasons Why on Netflix, which I wish I'd never done, uh, which had the extreme version of what this could be. You know, we're talking bullying and suicide and all that, all the hot topics in one place. Um, but I kept thinking, is this a mistake? And why is it so much worse? Sorry, <laughs> it happens all over the world. But why is it so intense is in the US in here? Like, what do you think? Like, it's not I'm not trying to call the US out on because it happens everywhere in different ways. But what what do you think makes it so prevalent? I mean, in India, I've seen it, but it's, is it the religious piece? Like I'm trying to figure out because we have, we have religion, we have awareness, we have abundance, but we also have people who are poor. Like there's, there are all kinds of people in all kinds of places, but why do I hear about it more? Is it the media or why do you think it feels like more happens here? It's probably not true, but why do it, you think that is? No, it's a very interesting question. And one we're actively researching. We are a very evidence-based organization. Uh, and so the short answer is we don't know if it's actually worse. We, we have worked with um, other cities, other foreign cities, uh, governments, institutions. Uh, I was on a call uh, with Saudi Arabia the other week as well, and they're experiencing very serious issues. So I don't know that it is worse. I suspect because of cultural differences, some issues might be worse than others in different jurisdictions in different countries. Um, 
but I think a lot of the particularly common dangers that we deal with, like, like social media addiction, cyberbullying, depre related depression and self-harm, they're probably similar throughout countries. Um, trafficking might vary. We don't really know. It, it's hard to get really reliable statistics on it. Uh, hate speech might vary, but it seems to be a pretty consistent issue throughout, throughout mm -hmm. countries. Um, so, so the short answer is we don't know if there's a difference. It would help us to have a better handle on understanding that. And it's one of the things that we're working on. Yeah, it's tricky. I just was curious what your, what your thoughts were on that, because, uh, I do feel like we, well, okay. It's a little different in California. It's not the same in every state, first of all, or even every County in every state or even every city in every state. I mean, you can go, you know, just one city over and have a different experience. I, I am in a place that is a little, you know, it's Northern California, you know, you've got Berkeley and San Francisco and all of that. So I definitely do feel that people talk more openly about a lot of things. When I was in Prague, I worked briefly or some years on and off at an international school when I was taking a break from corporate. And uh, I used to be really blown away by um, how much things were carried over, you know, that sort of trickle down from people's families that it wasn't even their own hate sometimes or their own thoughts. I mean, we've all had it, you know, you see it with politics and things that you'll say, well, why do you, why do you care about that person? Well, my, you know, they, they're sure that it's coming from them, but then you start to ask questions and you realize it's different. I remember seeing a kid in the hall, walk down the hall and just not as hard as what happened to Jordan, but literally smashed this other kid as he was walking by 10 year old boy. And I walked up and I said, what was that? And he said it was it was literally just my, you know, my family doesn't get along with their country. There were 60 different countries under one roof at that school. They're not OK. They're mud or I don't know. He came up. He had some some words. And I thought how it, it's not even always like a clear, you know, there's not even a clear reason. It's just that our culture doesn't get along with their culture or uh we're farmers and they're wealthier. Like, I, I don't even know what it is. And maybe in this case with Jordan, like, you know, who knows is, you know, you said that it's, it's a, it sounded very snuff film. Like it kind of freaked me out just to hear the idea yeah. that somebody would film just to film and, and uh, you know, how can humans be so unkind to one another? I don't understand that lack of empathy, I guess. Um, what, you know, in your, you know, you're, you're doing educational programs, you're doing advocacy to try and, you know, uh, affect things from a different level? Like what are some of the things that, you know, you are putting in action to try and wake kids up? Like when you were doing assemblies or virtual assemblies, how do you, how do you put that word out there? I mean, how do you get kids to listen? And what is your uh, way of connecting with them? Because I remember going to assemblies in middle school, high school and being like, ah, whatever, you know, half the time unless somebody really did something to kind of pull you in so how what is your way of uh, getting their attention is it the story or what do you what do you lead with I do Mark I'll just jump on real fast uh <laughs> thanks Ed yeah I, I do I do lead with the story and uh, you know I've always loved kids always wanted to work with kids you just have that passion for them but when I begin my talks at assemblies, and again, this has been, as Mark said, fifth grade, 12th grade, and we've been all over the country, you know, 
40 people in a room or 400 people in a room. And they are still, and Mark will attest this, you can hear a pin drop when we begin and tell that story because first of all, it's a powerful story, right? And, and I, I walk around, I don't stand on a podium in a suit and tie. I am just in a t-shirt and jeans and I walk around and I look in their eyes and I tell the story and I connect to them. And what, what I started to realize is they are all aware of what's going on. Lots of these children, they don't want to be stuck watching. They're almost addicted to this behavior. Um, so we, I really do connect with them. I have had kids come up to me afterwards and have told me, thank you so much for opening my eyes to this. What time is the meeting tonight? I want my parents to come, which mm. shocked me. I remember this happening over and over. What time? I want my parents to come hear this. So it really was that, again, it's not, I'm not standing up there lecturing, speaking down to them. I'm just walking around telling them a story and then sharing with them all the hard work we put into forming this organization and, and all the lessons we're giving them and, and the educational piece. And they're listening. They're mm -hmm. actually paying attention. It's hard to keep 400 kids focused, but when you can keep 400 kids focused, we're talking about something that is their life right now. This is their world, how they communicate, how they talk to friends, how they plan part, everything is social media. So I'm talking to something that means something to them versus me standing up there talking about something that they go, oh, you know, I don't have that or I don't do this or I don't do that. This is their life. So they really do. They do pay attention. And the program we put together, I'll let Mark talk about the program because he pretty much designed it, is it's really worked towards giving them a different view on social media and what to do, what not to do, or how to treat something on social media without being embarrassed about it. it just, it really helps them take a little bit of, it's um, a word I'm looking for, uh, self-awareness and gives them back a little power that they control their time on social media. We give them some tools to help them understand how to use it uh, more wisely, if you will. Well, and that empowerment is empowerment the thing that- I was looking for. Yeah. It's, it's really the thing that's lacking in that period. Not only, I don't care if you have the greatest parents in the whole world, you, you feel that at home because you're not able to make your own decisions about a lot of things, regardless of the kind of uh, lifestyle or family you have at home. Often there's something where it's out of your control. You're, it's not your home, usually, depending on what it is, uh, where you are and what's happening. And, and there's so much of that inside of school because there's the some people might be brave enough to stand out, but most just want to, you know, keep, keep from getting, you know, uh, grabbed, you know, in the, the bullying reality, which seems unfortunately to be at every, almost every school I've been to. There's yeah. in even the most enlightened schools. I went to a Waldorf school, so enlightened, so spiritual. There were a lot of us that didn't feel comfortable because there were still the cliques and the, mm -hmm. the dynamics of humanity. Right. So yeah. Uh, so that empowerment and then giving the tools is so important because so often in the olden days, there were some great and passionate people. I say that because we're talking 80s, 70s, <laughs> 80s, 90s, whatever, uh, in the olden days. I remember people coming up with great stories and they had and there was a connection. But then after that, it was like, yeah, but what do we do? OK, don't, we love dogs. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> okay. What, what do you do after that? So I love the part about the tools. I, I love the part about that there's more and this 
piece about, I want my parents to hear this just says that what you're speaking is their truth for a lot of those kids. And that it's a way of continuing the conversation because that is not a comfortable conversation for most kids. Even when you have a uh, uh, good relationship with your family members, it's, it's very disempowering to, to say I'm being bullied or that I can't handle it when you're kind of going through this evolution of trying to grow up and be a, an adult human uh, slowly, hopefully, but often faster than we want. Um, it, these tools are vital because then they can use them in the way that makes sense for them versus just telling them the story and saying, we can relate to you. Don't let it happen to you. But then often it, the next step doesn't happen and they're standing out there by themselves trying to figure it out. So this is, I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. Do, do you want more? And Mark, um, off to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so, so, uh, all of that is exactly on point. We we design this again in an evidence-based way. Um, Ed was giving me too much credit. It's designed, you know, in conjunction with our board and our advisory council with educators and psychologists and psychiatrists and uh, technologists. Um, so a lot of expertise went into um, in, into all of our work, but um, particularly the the workshops with the students and. Uh, what we are trying to do is, is make, and, and why, so, so Ed is a child whisperer, I'll say that, first of all, he was meant to do this, and it was one of the reasons that I decided to leave my career and go in this direction, because he has a natural talent at connecting with the students he speaks with, and that's an intangible, but in terms of, of the tangible things that we're trying to accomplish, it's making uh, the students and the parents as well aware of these dangers because it is not one risk that we're all aware of and we're going in and we're trying to modify behavior um, through fear or some other heavy-handed tactics. It's here's the danger. You're going to be on social media. We're not trying to get rid of it. Uh, We take a reality-based approach to that. It's not going anywhere. Um, Here's the danger. Let's teach you how to either responsibly react to it, safely react to it, or how to avoid it. And we're also transparent with how common these dangers are. It's not likely um, that, that most kids are going to be trafficked, um, but it's easy to avoid it. So take these steps. Um, it is likely uh, that you're going to see cyberbullying or potentially um, in some way be victimized by harassment on social media. So um, here are the values we think are communal universal values. And here's how we think you can either avoid a lot of this or, or safely, responsibly respond to it while also protecting your peers and your, your friends. Can I just say thank you for not, both of you, for not talking down to the kids and young humans, uh, young people or growing people. I'm sorry. I don't know what, the, what people want to be called. But, uh, and, and having the conversation. I love, Ed, that you, you're down in there with the people when you're talking. And Mark, you're talking about a program that is real. It's not stop doing this. Like people used yeah. to come in and say, don't drink and do drugs. And you're like, yeah, that's likely that everybody's going to stop smoking up now or whatever. Like, but being real about how to work with what is because that's where people have made mistakes, I think, in the past, is very unrealistic expectations and therefore not giving people, kids, the tools to really work with what's happening. And then they don't think that they, you get them at all either. <laughs> so they stop yeah. listening. <laughs> so already, you know, you've opened doors and windows with the fact that you're saying, we get this is part of life. 
and, uh, you know, here's something they can do with it. And, um, yeah, just taking that in, imagining kids sitting out there because I've had a lot of those conversations. I was a substitute. So I was, yeah. I, I got, I thought I had the best job because I would go in and I would hear all the stories because they knew I would be leaving in two days. Mm -hmm. So I would hear about these stories about cyberbullying and the expectations was a big piece of, um, people expecting them like in their peer groups, there might be a person or a couple people, maybe even more if they were really brave to say it out loud, that don't agree with what is being done as a whole. What is advice inside of your program? What are one of the tools, you know, I'm imagining, I know we've got a lot of parents listening, but sometimes we also have some young people listening and what are some of the tools, what would be some one thing that you would say, you know, because people are afraid to stand, if they stand up for people, or if they do things differently, often, then they become the target. Mm -hmm. so, so what is advice that you give inside of, for example, somebody saying, I don't feel okay about this. I don't want to be a part of it. But I don't also want to be the one who then gets the, you know, the gun pointed at me, so to speak, or the camera gun or whatever it is. So I, first of all, I love that's, that young people are listening um, and learning. That's, that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so, so that covers a range of, of different dangers from the most common being cyberbullying, which is what I assume you're talking about, but it also includes peers sexually harassing another peer. Uh, it includes hate speech directed at another mm -hmm. peer. And this is the concept of being a bystander or choosing to be an upstander. Uh, and the concern is very real because the, because getting involved, you might be subjecting your as a bystander, you might be subjecting yourself to to the harassment that you're witnessing, and and a lot of kids will be hesitant to do that, particularly on social media where there can be this big mob mob mentality and people um, bullying in in groups. Uh, the nice thing, though, about social media is that there are options to be an upstander, and this is what we teach kids. So one of one of the central tactics that Ed will talk about with students is, is the tactic of blocking and reporting uh, when you see inappropriate content, including bullying and harassment on social media, meaning that you are blocking somebody from your social media page or account or um, whatever type of, of social media platform we're talking about, whatever is applicable there. So you're blocking them or, or even hiding them. So you're not seeing the content, you're not subjecting yourself to that harmful content. And again, normalizing it uh, in your own mind and you're reporting it. So that means reporting it to the platform. So you remove it, so you're protecting your peers, um, you're preventing this action. Uh, it also means reporting it uh, if the scenario is right to a trusted adult as well and making them aware depending on the ages and, and the specifics, but blocking and reporting works in a number of circumstances. And again, that's, that's two things that we want uh, kids and parents to take away from that. One, it's removing it and protecting others. Two, it's protecting uh, and bolstering your own mental defenses to the material so it doesn't become normal to you and you're actually physically rejecting it, particularly important with hate speech uh, as well. I'm so glad you brought that up both of those pieces that you, that this is how you're approaching it because one, it's allowing, uh, you know, it's, it's shifting the possible experience for others. 
but also in a way that they don't necessarily have to make themselves a target by saying something in the feed, but doing it yeah. through the platform. So it's, it's anonymous, but it's still very strong. And hopefully they have somebody they can talk to about it. Uh, but that empowerment, again, is really strong. And that, that empowerment piece, again, coming back to that word, in that the, you don't have to take it. And I think this is such a simple thing that you've just put out there. And I know a lot of adults who also don't know this, you know, it's, so it's not just about the teens, but it's, a, you don't have to sit there and take it. That's not part right. of the game. Like you don't have to, you just because, you know, you're supposed to hear people out, do all that. But actually I, I love that piece about, you know, turning it off, blocking it, you know, getting that out of your feed because you don't need to see that. A lot of people are doing this right now, just with the media to, get a break from, you know, all the stuff that's happening. But we forget how often that just that simple thing, um, because you might not be thinking that about yourself, but if you keep seeing it over and over again, it, it does brainwash you. And, uh, and I think that people forget that that's okay to do. It, it doesn't even come up as a possibility. No, I, well, I don't want to miss anything or I don't want to whatever, but people don't see it. It doesn't pop up. I don't see something. If I'm the bully, I don't see something saying, you know, Jennifer just blocked me from her feed. So it's not going to pop up. But I think that simple thing is that's a really good one. It's very empowering. You know, I was thinking about this when Mark was talking, you know, I wish more people blocked and reported Jordan's video rather mm -hmm. than liking and clicking the heart on it. It just, as Mark was talking, I was thinking about it. If it was blocked and reported more, maybe it would disappear from, from social media forever, which we know won't happen. Uh, but people didn't do that. They just clicked like. And, and it started to amass these likes. A video of my son could have died. And they were liking it versus reporting it like, hey, something's going on. It's my responsibility. They, they, they just, so that's what we really, I just want to hammer that home. We really try to teach that, that empowerment piece, that responsibility piece. It's yeah. What do you think? I mean, of course, you can't read the minds of all those kids that liked it, but just to talk about it in a very real way, because I, I know that people listening, you know, have also kind of clicked like to things, I mean, not necessarily something like that. But do you think that they, you know, because I know that not everybody did it maliciously, of course, yeah. but is it about being a part of something? Is it, you know, that they were seen, oh, Jenny liked it. What, what do you think, uh, you know, cause I'm sure you've gone through this, you guys in your conversations, your program, what is happening there to help I, the parents understand how to work with this I, from the base? Truly, I know? think it's habitual. I think it's just a habit Does, that we have, we have just become, yes. You know, scroll past it. Oh, look, scroll past it. It's click and scroll. Uh, I, I do think it's very habitual. Mark, could talk about the habit piece because we discussed this in, in depth. Uh, go ahead, Mark. I say we're primed to watch visceral videos. It's why, you know, if you stick on YouTube on autoplay, you'll get to the violence and the sexual content. And so even you know, in the aftermath of, of Jordan's attack, uh, the media would say, I had a, a journalist say to me, well, we're not going to run with this as the lead story because there's not enough blood or, or comments like that. Um, so, I mean, people are primed to watch this. It's pulling us out of the habit of doing it, 
pull it, making us consciously aware that this is what we're doing, even for the kids. The kids really, most of them don't want to be watching this type of stuff. They don't want to be um, zombies mindlessly scrolling through it. So how do we instill habits that are going to make them active, responsible consumers of social media? That piece that you guys have both mentioned, that sort of responsibility and accountability for, in a sense, even your unconsciousness about your actions and inactions is uh, people will say, oh, they're too young, blah. And my, my five-year-old, we've been talking about some of these things. When we see something happen, we talk about it. She'll get what she gets, but there's an awareness it can happen at any time. And I think people sometimes write off young people that they can't manage it. But in actuality, they probably have been managing it, maybe not well. Uh, maybe they've been doing well, who knows? But it also, um, what, what do you advise to maybe parents? I mean, hopefully they have intentions of being able to help with this. But what if people, what if you have kids out there? And I know that there's a lot of them who don't have parents who are actively involved, who uh, aren't necessarily encouraging less bullying because they might be doing it themselves. What do you advise parents, young people, teachers, people from the outside of the immediate family unit that could influence in a positive way, other than, of course, referring them to your platform <laughs> to get involved in your workshops, which I, we're going to you know, flash at the end, of course, and put in our description. But what do you advise? Like, how could you positively ripple out and affect the young people around who you see bullying? Let's, we're, not, we're talking about the bullied right now, but let's also talk about the people who are bullying because it's, for me, sad and fascinating. Have, have, having worked at a, a couple of what we called them sort of last stop programs, these are the kids that were in trouble before they'd go to juvie, they'd be in these programs at school, which were monitored with probation officers and all these things. And I would see these incredibly gifted young people who I knew they had hearts under there, but I would also see this behavior that was horrific in the bullying, which alive and in cyber, but I also met their parents and I saw their home situations or no home situations. And there was a lot of the psychology you were talking about, Mark, about all the people involved in your programs. You know, I'm sure you're thinking about all these, these uh, different possibilities and, and the internal as well as the external stuff that's going on. But what do you advise to people to help the bullies to it, it, work differently? That is a challenging question, but I have an answer. <laughs> I'm I, sorry. I can't the, help the, it. <laughs> No, no, no. It's, it's an excellent question because what, what can we do? It's the whole point of our organization. And, and again, we take three different routes to this that all work together, the advocacy, the education, and the tech. Um, first, I would say the parents obviously are um, one of the best sources for intervention, behavior modification, and maximizing safety for their children. And so um, we do have that, that free course on our website for parents, um, which if you go to OFSMS.org, which, sorry, you said you would flash that at the end. But, That's okay. <laughs> um, I'll it give now. it a plug now <laughs> because it's, it's, we have such high confidence in its effectiveness to keep kids safe. And so that course will take parents through 
um, everything that we need to do. And we believe that we're the first ones out there with a full system for parents. These aren't just one-off tips here and there. It's here's what you need to do. Here's your conversation checklist. Here's your rules template. And here's how to set your settings. And th those three pieces together are what's going to maximize safety. So that's, that's the parent piece for uh, people that are not the parent of the child or maybe educators or coaches. Um, I would say, and specifically your question was on cyberbullying. One of our favorite experts um, is, uh, I'm blanking on her first name, I believe it's Elizabeth Englander. Um, she recommends just whenever you see behavior that does not conform to your community values. So if you see harassment or bullying in person, that intervention, consistent intervention of calling it out, not necessarily even discipline or related consequences, calling it out for 30 seconds and saying that does not um, conform to our values and not getting into kind of an evidentiary investigation of what actually happened saying, Bullying is not what we do. And doing it over and over again, you instill a principle uh, in your community, in your children. If you fail to call it out, uh, you're letting harassment and bullying fester, and that will be amplified uh, when you get onto social media, because social media is easier to do. Social media makes it worse. Um, so calling it out in person is incredibly important. Yeah. Yes. And I like that you were the way that you were describing that, that it's not just about disciplining them and, you know, in that way, taking action, but just that this doesn't connect with the core values uh, because you see it over and over again, they're just, they're disciplined or punished. But again, you know, where's that other piece, which is connecting it to, to shift it rather than just um, say, you know, you're bad for being bad, basically. No, not to simply oversimplify it. Exactly. But, yeah. The value has to be instilled. Um, yeah. It can't be beating kids over the head. They are going to act, especially on social media, where they have a degree of autonomy, which is why they like social media and gravitate towards it. Their values are going to guide their behaviors. And so instilling those values in a way that uh, is evidence-based and effective is everything when it comes mm -hmm. to preventing your child from being, or a, any child from being the perpetrator of the bullying. I'm allowing silence because it's, <laughs> I know because we, we talk a lot about the, the victims and the, the sad truth is often the, the bullies are victims Absolutely. that become bullies. And, uh, you know, when we dig deeper, if we get that chance, if there is that opportunity, you know, there's so much behind the story, which is deeply sad often. And, uh, you know, what if we could heal them too, so that we could make the world a better place. And rather than what most of us do in the moment, because it's impo nearly impossible not to, which is a very reactive, emotional, you know, you know, it very, very charged um, situation around uh, those moments when these things happen. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a very big task. You know, what you guys are taking on is, is massive because it continues to evolve. You putting the piece about the human trafficking, which I know we're, we're wrapping up soon, but that, you know, the bullying is so massive. And I think just even allowing ourselves to, um, 
to be present and see one another, both the people who are being bullied and the people who are bullying to be present and say, I know you can do better. I, I, I see you. There's something else. This isn't it. This isn't, you aren't just the person that punches somebody in the head and changes their life forever. What is this? And at the same time, how, you know, just the whole picture that you guys have put out there is such an undertaking. I'm sure it's a lifetime <laughs> of work and uh, you you're giving us an opportunity to get involved and uh, look at it in a different way, you know, with values and a system, not just a few quick tips and an email that you probably want to get to, but don't, I mean, it's the truth. Uh, we, there's a lot of great things that come, but that's uh, to really go through it and have a, an understanding as a parent, as a student, to be able to have a resource like you guys are putting out there. Uh, it's important. And the, the human trafficking, I think that could be a whole different discussion. I'm very passionate about that myself. I would love to, even if we can just take a couple seconds before we, we sign off on, on how you feel your work influences that, um, I would love to hear it because it's one of the things that popped up on my radar recently is uh, bullying and traffic, human trafficking. So it's interesting that you, you know, we ended up meeting up today because it's, I'm very passionate about is there a way to really stop it or make it less? And I'm curious about this because I can see how you're working with the bullying and the human trafficking pieces that around not letting people meet up or lure kids or what, how does it work? I would say while, while these all seem like disparate dangers and threats from trafficking to propaganda and some other things. Yeah. Our infrastructure, our whole organization is built on understanding how social media works, how people are using it, and how these dangers thrive specifically on social media. Um, and again, we're backed by a number of experts. So we're lucky to have uh, the former head of the anti-trafficking for the Department of Justice on our advisory council, um, who's a, a complete rock star. Um, so when we talk about trafficking, we are... And again, any of these dangers, what we do is we look at, at the statistical evidence that's available and we study the cases. So we learn how it's happening through social media and how we can prevent it. So on trafficking, you have essentially professional operators who are going onto social media sites, usually catfishing young girls, typically, sometimes it's boys as well. Um, pretending usually to be fellow teens. They do this on Fortnite. They do this on Roblox, popular gaming sites and, and other, other social media sites. And they will strike up a relationship with the child over the course of a few months till they can start getting them to come out and meet up with them. And once that happens, they are abducted and gone. So that's, that's an abduction example of trafficking. Some trafficking they will just groom and and maintain a local relationship with them. But it, it happens through the, the relationship building process of social media and relying on the anonymity of social media because you can build your persona however you want. And so, yeah, we, we teach particularly for, for the younger kids, for middle school age children to only communicate on social media with your friends in real life. Um, and that's particularly a message we're trying to get across when it comes to uh, gaming sites that we also can include in our definition of social media when there's a public chat available. 
Ariel, I, I have to add as a parent, again, I'm a parent of three. My kids are teenagers now. One's actually an adult. He's 21. Uh, when I was growing up, and I'm probably older than, I know I'm older than Mark. I'm sure I'm older than you too. But when I was growing up, my mom and dad said, don't talk to strangers. That was the thing, you know, we all heard that, that you know, don't talk to strangers. And today, this device, these, these you know, smartphones, as Mark said, the gaming pieces, we're talking to strangers all the time. They are strangers. And, and I, I've heard it in my own house. Who are you playing that game with? Oh, my friend. Oh, who? I don't know, uh, Frank. Oh, where's he live? I don't know. Could you tell me about him? No. Then he's not your friend. But it's just that they, they make you feel, they groom them. They make them mm. feel so warm. Oh, it's my friend. If we, yeah, if we had gone to the mall in the 80s or, or the 70s in Ed's case <laughs> um, and told our parents that, you know, what'd you do at the, what'd you do at the mall today? Oh, I hung out with this guy I met all right. day. It, it wouldn't have flown and it, it's really it's really the same thing so it's and it's such an easy intervention yes. uh, that offers such complete protection from this particular danger foster youth on the other hand is is um a, a population that we were set to engage with right as the pandemic was hitting mm -hmm. so we're planning to go back um as soon as we can uh, and start delivering our education piece to foster youth who are being trafficked uh in in Ex exponentially higher numbers than than other populations through social media. I'm so glad to hear that because that's uh yeah there's a there's a lot that goes on there with yeah the again valuing themselves and being just the whole dynamic of their lives is so uh would make them such victim to so much because they need from the heart from the body in so many ways. Um, they're missing out. And I'm really, uh, I'm curious to see how that evolves and how you work with that because it's, it's tricky with foster parents. You've got some amazing ones and you've got some who are using it more of a, as a business, um, not only in what you, way you're talking about, but uh, just not valuing the, the young people. So uh, I'm, I really am going to follow you guys and see what's going on with this. And I'd like to find ways to be involved. And I would love to encourage other people who are listening, how they can be involved. This is quite an emotional topic. I'm so thankful that you guys are coming in here and, you know, getting us to look at the real things, which, you know, we, we see pop up on, well, we don't even watch TV that much anymore. So I can't say after school specials, but things pop up and, uh, and, <laughs> and it's real and it's not just something on a program that is over there. It's in our lives every day. There's no way that you're not walking into Whole Foods, walking through a park on a zoom, whatever it is, somebody has been bullied has maybe even bullied or had an experience that is as deep and life-changing, whether it's a small comment. Even my coach I was talking to today was talking about things that people were saying all the time to her. And we were all like, how do you handle that? It, it's happening everywhere all the time. And especially the virtual world empowers a lot more people to just say whatever and do whatever. Uh, and then it trickles out into the, the real world in, in awful ways and um, can also be positively used. So. How can we support you? Not only going to the sites and the, all the information you're about to give us, and I'm going to put in the description, but how else could people support you? And what would be a last piece of advice from each of you? I know that we, you, they need to go through the whole program and we're not here just to give a tip that's going to change the world. But if each of you would just give a last word to our parents out there, one thing that they could walk away with, what would you want them to have? Right. 
so mine's easy. Don't dismiss social media. Take it very seriously when it comes to your children because this is their world, right? Again, I have three kids. This is their world. This is the world they're living in now. Social media is very important to them. So don't just dismiss what they say, oh, I heard on social media or happening, you know, this is where they're living. So really pay attention to what they're saying and, and don't follow your child on social media and think they're doing okay because you're following them on Instagram. Check in with your child, have the conversation with your child, put the phone down and talk to them. You know, that, that piece, unfortunately, I see it slipping away today because we all just use social media as our, let me just check their profile. No, they seem fine. You, you can't do that. Because we all know, you know, Mark and I definitely know, you know, there's fake accounts and real accounts and my friends follow this account and my parents follow this account. And, you know, don't dismiss it and have a conversation with your child. Check in with them face to face. Thank you, Ed. Mark? And I, I would say, again, to echo, echo the course on our website, it's three components to safety for parents. It's, it's having the conversations to raise awareness of the dangers because your kids are going to avoid them if they understand them. They are, they are more rational than we give them credit for. Um, it's setting the rules that you want your children to comply with when they're using social media that are going to keep them safe, that are going to act as guardrails. And it's setting the safety settings, particularly for the younger uh, children that are going to help keep them safe. It's all three of those working together. And that's what we want parents to, to better understand. Thank you, Mark. I know you need to, to dash off, but Ed, would you give us the, <laughs> thank you both for, for being here and giving us so much of your energy. And I really, really appreciate it. And I know that parents all over the world are listening to this and, and hopefully you guys have to just go to the website, check it out, because if, even if it's not happening now, that this can be happening. And the earlier you start thinking about how to work with your kids with this, um, the more they have a grasp on the tools when it does happen, because even if it happens in a small or a large way, it's, uh, it's very powerful to know what to do and how to, how to work with it. And uh, Ed, can you give us, or either one of you, if you're uh, able to give us the, the website again and anywhere else you want people to connect in with you. I hate Mark, to say on social media, but <laughs> where you want that, them to find is, you. <laughs> Mark, did you mention the name of the course and all that? Sure. Yeah. So we're at uh, www.ofsms.org. That's Organization for Social Media Safety. Uh, the name of the course, it'll, it'll be a pop-up um, on your screen. It's Buckling the Social Media Seatbelt Super Course. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. So we, we do use social media for beneficial purposes. Um, yeah. And so we would love for parents to check out the course. If you would like to support us, your support is crucial to doing all of the work that we are trying to do. It is difficult to um, raise funds during a pandemic. So you are making a difference by, by supporting us. And we appreciate and you're helping us keep families safe across the world. So thank you so much to, much. to, <laughs> to everyone out there and all of your, all of your listeners. Yeah, thank you thank very much. Well, thank you. I mean, you guys are, you, you jumped off the cliff and, and not, you know, Ed with, you know, your story and Mark in connection with it and, and both of you having different pieces that fit together so beautifully so that, you know, we can make the world a better place and, and support people from the inside out and how to, 
be out there and in the real world. So thank you. Thanks it for makes having us. Thank you. I got Thank you. I got jump. I know. Mark, I know. So Bye, Mark. Thank you. And thank, thank you guys. You. And uh, it was a great conversation. Thanks for being so real Thanks, and authentic. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Very Imperfect Parenting Podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IPParents. You can also write me at ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. If you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast, that helps us a lot. As well, we have Patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day. Thank you so much for being out there.